Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. Each week, we give you the best news, views, and interviews from the health technology world. From CEOs and founders to entrepreneurs and clinicians, the companies and people that are shaping the future face of healthcare. All on the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost. Each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the CEOs, leaders, clinicians um, who are changing the face of healthcare in the UK and beyond. Um, as regular people, as regular listeners know, I'm a health tech founder myself, founder of HockDoc. We're revolutionising the blood testing space by allowing anyone with a smartphone to test themselves for major diseases. HockDoc is also a supporter of the show, so thank you very much to the team there. Um, also, thank you very much to everyone who's listening live on UK Health Radio. UK Health Radio is the world's leading talk health radio station. Also just launched on Spotify, so if you either miss me or miss anybody else, you can catch up through the UK Health Radio channel on Spotify. We have our own channel on Spotify, which you can go into. So if you miss this and you can also watch this on YouTube. So thank you very much for all of the subscribers. It's everything's all the numbers are going up, which is great. So thank you very much. We must be doing something, something right. So um, on to today's show. Today's show, we are talking about female health, specifically uh, hormone health and how hormone health or hormone levels and the management of hormone levels and the understanding of hormone levels can be combined with state-of-the-art um, data and uh, advice around fitness, wellness, and nutrition to help women leave ha- lead happier, healthier lives. We've got two fantastic guests on today. So first of all, Dr. Michelle Tempest, who is a health tech advisor, investor, and the founder of Candacic, and uh, Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill. I got the Dame in there as per our pre-show pre-show chat, um, gold medal winning star of London 2012, who has founded Genis, which uh, has combined hormone tracking, hormone management with fitness and nutrition to help women, like I said, get healthier and happier. Welcome to the show, both of you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Great to be here. Good. So I thought I'd start with Michelle. So when we have two guests on, we sort of have to manage how the, you know, conversation goes. But I thought we would just, you know, start with Michelle. So um how could you give us the story about how you first kind of met Jessica and got involved in what became Janice and you know what your original kind of impressions were um at the time just I think it's a super interesting origin story you know look it uh it is a super interesting story although we actually met on stage pretty much (laughs) we were at a conference and we were speaking about female health uh and as a result we then got talking and connecting and after that i just she just she's just the embodiment of the kind of founder that you want to invest in and i guess just as a bit of a backtrack about myself so i was originally um, an nhs doctor so i uh, was a psychiatrist by background and then since around 2004 i've worked at a company called candesic and we work as a strategy consultancy and also uh, do due diligence work for large transactions private equity um, and then in my hobby time, I love all things which are AI and technology um, and obviously everything to do with female health. Uh, and as a result of that, I'm a, I'm a Cambridge angel and I do a bit of angel investing. 
And yeah, I think it's slightly atypical uh, kind of way of uh, being, uh, of actually finding a company that uh, that you really like. Uh, and it's very much driven uh, by the individual who founded it. And also we were on a panel looking at, at female health and discussing the gap in the market, I would say, for everything which is uh, female healthcare, because to date it has been under-researched, under-provided for and under-invested. And I'm super passionate about changing that. Yeah, we've had some amazing founders on the show who are working in the female health space, either sort of from a charity perspective or from you know a company perspective. And quite a few of them have sort of said it's kind of a shame that we have to talk about it as like female health as opposed to just health but that's the situation that we're in right like you have to there's this as you say there's been so much underinvestment and lack of focus on it you know chronically so i yeah and so what was the panel about that you met on what specifically was it general or was it specific no it was very specific um and it was actually uh uh, uh mcdermott who are they're a sort of a legal firm that work in, in private equity and i think that they had actually realized this kind of gap in the market for female healthcare, and that could be anything from uh sort of focusing on the acute end of care all the way through to uh kind of the research side i mean i, I guess i don't want to sort of sound bleak around uh, the fact that it's been <laughs> under-researched uh, uh, I think I think yeah, there are. It's all good. Re- We're happy. Know, it's exciting. It's a bright yeah, new future, right? It, it is exciting, but there's also a reason for why women haven't been part of research trials. Because I think sometimes I have sort of noticed that people get quite emotional around the fact of you know, well, why have women historically been left out? And it's actually a very simple and logical and clinical reason for the why yeah. we've been left out is because of you know that there was always a risk of an unborn child uh, in terms of clinical trials and so as a result the majority of medications and the majority of everything physiological is very much based on the on the male physiology um, now, I actually see that as a real opportunity because moving forwards, what we do know is that um, spending power actually relies on women, right? So when you win a time of global economic concern, women drive spend. So 85% of consumer spend is female. And actually, that makes up the purchasing. Uh, so women actually do 75% of purchase, have purchasing power. So when you are looking at time of a consumerization in healthcare and actually women wanting to start thinking or indeed new products or new businesses entering this market, I actually see it as a real positive that female healthcare is becoming more consumerized because hey, women have a lot of consumer power and I'm, I'm not bleak about it at all because I actually think as a result, we will be able to change the future for the better. I, I, I would agree. Jessica, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's not only just the purchasing power that um, women have, it's also they take care of the majority of the healthcare kind of packages for their families and loved ones. You know, they're the women that are in the forefront of that. And when it comes to, you know, these key life stages that we pass through as women, whether that's, you know, pregnancy, postnatally, perimenopause, menopause, these are big life changes there's so much going on from a female perspective but we're still the women and the people who are taking charge of you know sourcing what kind of healthcare is given to the family and and providing in that way so we play a key role in so many different areas juggling all these different things um it just makes complete sense that we're catered for in a more rounded way yeah i would agree so what what um what kind of what was your journey like from you know 
superstar athlete to you know founder of a well you know when you found something it's like a nothing right there's nothing there and then what, what was it something that you sort of always wanted to do or did it fall out of at some point in your athletic career it sort of just came or what, what was that what was that sort of transition like yeah so if you would have said to me um you know like 10 years ago you'd be sat here you know talking about um femtech and and healthcare and you'd have a an app and you'd be a founder i probably would have said no way absolutely not i don't see that as my future um as a as an athlete you're so focused and you're very much in the moment of what you're doing so mm. i almost didn't allow myself too much time to think about what was going to happen post my career and right. um, i got to that stage of um you know I, I finished the rio olympics i knew it was time to retire and i'd kind of achieved in that phase of my life the one thing i knew was that i wanted to take some of the learnings that i'd taken from sport and go into an area that like just drove me in the same way and that mm. kind of made me feel passionate to kind of create a change. And it all really stemmed from my like understandings and learnings from sport, but also my journey through having as a woman, having my son during my career and all the changes that came with that and coming back into you know a sporting world at, at the very top of my game again and I learned so much about my body my physiology as a woman I learned about how much so many women don't actually know about their body um how little access there is and and like Michelle says the lack that absolute lack of research and money that's put into um this area of, of female health and that kind of drove me into creating um Genis and and to where I am now well, we'll come on to how Genesis works in a second, but I kind of want to still understand a little bit. It's a great opportunity to to try and dig into it. When when you when, when did you kind of start properly taking competing seriously? Like, how old were you, roughly, give or take? I mean, uh, without so wishing to fly, but like roughly, you know. Yeah, I was about nine or ten years old when I started athletics, but I'd say it was around about the age of thirteen, fourteen um, that okay. I started taking it seriously. Yeah. Okay. So during your time as a relatively serious to extremely serious athlete, like your body and, and yourself as a woman must have gone through an unbelievable amount of changes. Do, do you feel like at that time that the athletic training mindset and, and school of thought was like supportive to that? Like, was it changing? Was it getting better? Or like, what was your sort of experience of that kind of pathway? Um, my honest experience was just like absolute silence. I think there was okay. no kind of, you know, from a young girl, like you say, you know, you're starting athletics at an age where you're coming into puberty, you're going through all those changes as a young girl, and then you're moving through your teenage years. And, you know, I went all the way through to pregnancy and postnatally. So I went through all the life stages. Right. Um, and there was no, no support. Like you, you know, as a young girl, you're kind of told, well, you need to go onto the pill because that manages your your menstrual cycle. And that's what everyone does. And you don't ask any questions because you don't fully understand. And there's no like real support to guide you with actually what happens when you have this influx of hormones and how does your right. period affect how you move and how you train? Um, and, you know, what are the advantages and the disadvantages? There was very little conversation about that because there was such a lack of, of research and you know as elite athletes you put such emphasis on your nutrition and your psychology and all these key like yeah. points to create you know those small marginal gains but actually understanding female athletes as a whole was something that was very yeah very much not understood throughout the majority of my career I'd say. 
And did that like, was that because the people that ran the sport were predominantly male or was it that they did that it was a black hole they didn't understand they didn't want to understand there were other things to be thinking about like it was easier to talk about marginal gains and stretching and ice baths and whatever else it was as opposed to this kind of stuff which maybe felt a bit more complicated or would yeah yeah I think it was I I definitely think it was that I think there was a lack of understanding because while this is a complex area every female athlete is completely different and there's also that feeling of well this is how we've done it for so many years you know look at psychology for example you know years and years ago it was physical 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 and this is how we make our best athletes and then all of a sudden there was like oh but we all have these minds and a mindset and actually you know, 90%, I would say, of being a successful athlete is, you know, won and lost with your psychology and your mentality. Um, So I think there was definitely that shift. But I think from the female health perspective, I think definitely being a male dominated environment, most of the coaches within, um, definitely within track and field are male. Um, And there's just that lack of understanding. And then that worry of, you know having those com- awkward conversations with your athletes how do you approach especially, especially when you're a teenager like that's exactly. not going to be with an older grown-up man that's going to be really Difficult. awkward I suspect yeah. so most coaches would almost just avoid the conversation and um yeah not approach it and I'd say only the past two three years have we started to hear more elite athletes speaking openly about how they feel that they're menstrual cycle and their hormones have had an impact on their training and um, performances in competition and was there a tipping point was there like a a, you know a trigger for 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 people speaking out more openly about it or did it just sort of organically happen yeah I think it's probably been organic but I think that there's definitely I've definitely seen a trend in more female athletes starting their family before ending their career so I think it's become and with that, it's become you become more aware of your body and your hormones and, you know, the changes you have to make. And I think that has hopefully driven that conversation about understanding hormones and periods and, and all those other things at a slightly earlier stage as well. And what um, in your, I guess, either directly lived experience or researched or however you want to sort of answer the question, what is the impact of changes in hormones on a women's body on a woman's body from a sort of athletic movement motivational perspective I don't know how you want to answer the question but but you know what 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 do you understand like those changes because I think you mentioned it those impacts to be or possibly could be yeah we've spent a lot of time speaking to um physiologists we work with an amazing physiologist Dr Emma Ross and she has worked within the the world of sport for many years and it's it's amazing to know and you know I didn't really fully understand it till we kind of went down this road of of creating Genesis and um and creating the app that actually your cycle your menstrual cycle has these four phases it's not just you just think of it as your period it's not actually just your period you're going through these ebbs and flows through the month and actually during those particular phases if you're aware of them for example your follicular phase you're more likely to be able to build lean muscle. You can train and exercise in a better, more efficient way than you would have been wow. able to in another phase of your of your menstrual cycle. And wow. it's just small tweaks that you can make. So instead of just thinking, right, this is the month, I love running, I'm going to run hard every day. Actually, okay. knowing when those phases are, I'm going to push hard, a little bit harder and do more resistance work in my follicular phase. I'm going to ease off a little bit of my luteal phase and I'm going to perhaps do more kind of steady state sessions 
you're training in a much more efficient way and you're in tune with your body and you know how those those kind of hormonal fluctuations are, are happening to you as an individual and do you think that anyone during your time of competing you know from 13 or whatever well, whenever 9 12 to 13 upwards were, were people like women anecdotally aware that there was a possible impact or it was like you guys weren't even you didn't realize yourselves at all no no i i personally had no idea and the only time i ever or had ever seen female athletes talking about their period or the menstrual cycle was always around the negative side effects. So it was always like, right. you've trained too hard, you've lost your period, this is a problem. And it would only okay. be a conversation then. It was never a conversation of, well, actually, how can we look at it in a slightly different way from a more positive standpoint and look at the benefits and you know how do we empower ourselves a little bit more with the way we exercise and move it was all very much okay this is something's wrong let's now address it now there's a problem okay um and michelle just just back to you um at, at what point did this kind of this well because female health as, as with health is pretty broad church right it's quite a lot in there um at what point did you start to think that that there was a real issue around hormone hormone management understanding of hormone levels hormone changes impact on the body versus potentially other things that could also fit within the 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 wider you know um church if you like of 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 female health i think it goes back to your point actually which is around health in general so whether or not you're talking men or women we're really only at the very beginning of sort of personalized data so when you think of those sort of five p's you know the personalized the predictive, the proactive, the participatory and the preventative, we're only starting to monitor those things now. And I think Jessica's just sort of said, you know, on top of that, with women, you've kind of got all all this other sort of blood fluctuating of hormones. And then, of course, you're transitioning through periods, prenatal, pregnancy, postnatal, you know, and and sort of perimenopause and, and onwards. And one of the things which I just sort of see it as pure basic science, and I love basic science and I love pushing the boundaries of basic science because, for instance, you know, in a time in, you know, 2023, here I am with my aura ring, got my Apple Watch too. I'm tracking everything. I've, I've got a glucose monitor on. You name it, I can track it. Can't track my hormones. So really what we need to be able to do is to do exactly what the kind of Genis app is doing and be able to try and back calculate um, at the moment what our hormones are telling us because you know all of our grandmothers or mothers or, or parents would have sort of said you know listen to your body and we just haven't been listening to our bodies and and you know science can't tell us a secret source so we can only when we're doing hormonal checks we can take a point in time just a point in time it's like having a photo right we can all have a bad photo <laughs> so what we need to be able to go is do something Thing, which is much more continuous and then of course you learn from it and and so I just sort of see this as the beauty of basic science we are developing we're growing but we need apps like this to be able to help science and real world data at scale and how um and Jessica or, or Michelle whichever one you want to take it and then we've got to go to a short commercial break H- how important is that continuous well sorry how important is it to get a real diagnosis or um diagnostic value for the level of particular hormones in order to be able to derive a useful outcome from that versus slightly softer measures of observation and tracking and things like that. Like to your, to your point, Michelle, continuous glucose monitoring is like here and here to stay. Thank goodness, particularly if you've got type one diabetes. 
or what type two, but amazing technology. Is is that how? But presumably, like that. I mean, trying to get that involved in continuous hormone monitoring is probably still quite a way away. Um, and presumably there's some stuff that can be done before we get to that point. But I don't understand. I don't quite. It'd be great to understand how important that actual blood-based diagnostic of the actual levels of actual particular hormones is is important in the grand scheme of things in this in this area. In your opinion, we, yeah, we probably both want to answer. I'll take the first bit and then I'll pass over uh, to the power of the genotherp to be able to tell you more. But I don't think we really need it, right? So we're not. There's a difference between sort of wellness and fitness and proactive and preventative health versus something which is clinical, right? Yep. So I think that you know we all kind of know in our own sort of monthly cycles, right? That um, we all sort of feel different as our hormones change, and what we're doing is we're sort of personalizing that feedback our own kind of feedback finally listening to our own bodies to then be able to use it for something which is around fitness or as you sort of say around nutrition and that's a first right and it's quite amazing that actually that is a first but but as we've you know i'm sort of jessica can then can explain more but it actually can make a real impact to the way that not just sort of they're not just elite athletes, but also I think just for keeping personalized wellness and fitness. And I've certainly felt that through through using the app. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think it's that ability to be able to it's the power of having that constant mon- monitoring and really mm. becoming in tune with your body. I think when it comes to hormones and testing, it's very you know, you have to be very specific with testing on day three and making sure it's very pinpointed. And for everyday women as well, going around, you know, their everyday life, that can often be quite challenging and quite difficult. You've got to find a way to be able to, you know, monitor these changes. And we all know, you know, month by month that actually, gosh, I get these headaches at this time, but I don't monitor it. I'm not sure if they start here or the end there, but it's recognizing those patterns and and becoming in tune with it that you can actually start to make the real differences to the way you move, the way you fuel your body and the other things that you do from a lifestyle pers- uh, perspective. I think that's really interesting. Um, and because when we when we started PocDoc, we, we very much focused on the cardiovascular pathway. So trying to help. Um, and the, the biggest gating factor in that pathway is um, uh, lipid testing. So five marker or six marker lipid test has to be quantitative. Otherwise, you can't play in effect has to be the full five or six markers. Otherwise, has no clinical value. You can't move through the cardiovascular pathway without that test. But there's obviously a huge, huge, huge barrier to testing if you have to go to a GP surgery regularly. So um, that's how we started. And we've moved to other things. The idea being you can just do it with a developed uh, lateral flow test, which creates a quantitative signal, use a phone, take a photo of it, convert it into a predicted concentration. So um, I've, I've sort of heavily summarized my R&D department there, but, but hopefully they'll forgive me. Um, and I, I think that what the, like we talked about before the show, female hormones has been something that we've talked about. Um, but it's it's I, I take your point, which is there's a sort of, you know, just by offering the ability of women to track and monitor what they're doing and what they're feeling on a monthly basis is a good is a good start. Um, but what do you guys think about just in general about sort of making hormone testing itself easier? Is that something you see as something a problem that women face or is it actually not? It's like it sort of isn't really where the ball game is, if that makes any sense. I think from the conversations that we've had with various physiologists and doctors, the, the saliva testing element of it is is a great area, but it's still not fully where it needs to be. It's not, you know, robust enough um, and it needs more 
time and investment in that area but I think Mm -hmm. if there's a really accessible way whereby women can I I mean for elite athletes it's almost slightly easier because they have this whole system around them and once it's in place it's easy to track from that perspective but if you're talking about an everyday woman who has two kids and you know going into perimenopause for example and all the other things happening you've got to work out how feasible is it for that woman to test and how often would she have to test to have a real, you know, gauge of what's happening to a hormone? So it has to be really accessible. Otherwise, I think women, a lot of women would find it hard to to keep up with that regimented like regime of, of yeah, keeping on top of those fluctuations. Makes sense. We have to jump into a commercial break now for a couple of minutes, but we'll be right back on this week's Health Pick Out with Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill and Dr. Michelle Tempest talking about female hormone health and Jenis. So we'll be back in two minutes. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Apples and pears, beef and skittles, cider with rosy, common or garden, ant and deck, fish and chips, mum and dad. UK Health Radio and Health Triangle magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at ukhealthradio.com. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome back to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost. And my guest today, uh, Dr. Michelle Tempest from Candacic and Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill uh, from Genis and, and other sporting endeavours. Um, so let's get back into it. So what I'd like to now start with is just um, te- take us on a journey if you can, Jessica, which was like, it's all well and good you ended up on a panel talking about female health and that like understood, but that's still quite a long way away from like, starting company building company getting investors launching company so how did you like move from like these this area i'm really interested in i think it's a real problem like into focusing on like actually what you're going to do and let's just start there and then we can transition across into more explanation about how genus works because i've I've been on the website i think it would be great to explain to everyone exactly how it works I, i think it's super interesting yeah, so originally, um, like I said, I, I retired from from athletics and started on this journey of trying to understand, firstly, um, around what support women need during that pregnancy postnatal period. Um, I was super lucky to have like a great physio and and great kind of doctors and people around me at that time. That actually, the first iteration of Genis was um, a pregnancy and postnatal offer, so helping women right. to understand you know, how to move their bodies during pregnancy, what are the key exercises and how to recover from, from birth. Um, and that kind of kick start started the app in, in 2019. 
then we kind of very kind of, well obviously we hit a pandemic which was a big I big heard big about time. it I heard about it it was yeah. a thing <laughs> so we kind of like formed um the bulk of the team during the pandemic so it was all remote and obviously at that time everything was very much you know online fitness you know how can we survive during this time so we kind of pivoted a little bit to to producing more workout videos to help you know people keep fit and and more women to keep active during that time and then as we came out of the pandemic we really wanted to to go back to our original cause about helping women understand their bodies better it's all about body literacy for me you know trying to help women be more in tune with their bodies from a fitness perspective and that led to the creation of cycle mapping and and as, as I spoke about it earlier cycle mapping is moving in line with your hormones so really okay. understanding those four phases of your menstrual cycle being able to track understand patterns increasing body literacy and then through the app we provide women with bespoke ways to to move to exercise to fuel their bodies um in line with those four phases and how does um like how does a woman actually start with the app and engage with the app how, how does it actually work like, what, what do you get when you sign up or when you start using it yeah, so you get into the app and you can, you know, put, you know, your age, all your personal details in there, um, whether you have um, a cycle. If you're on the Marina Coil, for example, that's a, another element that we're kind of working on at the minute. So if you have a natural or a regular cycle, you input those dates. So your period dates start and finish. You can edit moods, symptoms that you experience during the month continuously. And mm-hmm. what the algorithm does is it works out where you are in in that in those four phases, um, and we basically feed back to you, you know, how to move, what exercises. So we provide workouts within the app, um, and we also allow women to integrate their wearables to bring in their their kind of Peloton workouts or okay. or whatever it might be as well. So it's really that big kind of education piece around what are my hormones looking like, what is my monthly cycle like. And how do I keep learning through the algorithm, you know, for what I should do during those phases? And is the algorithm what you put together with the physiologist that you mentioned earlier, the research physiologist? Yeah. So Dr. Emma Ross, she worked at the English Institute of Sport for many years. So across a lot of the Olympic um, sports and she's done some amazing research herself and a real like pioneer in this area. And she's been working with us from the absolute start very closely on how yeah, how we create the platform, really, you know, how do we feed this back to to women in a really digestible way? Um, and also, how do we, yeah, really distinct, distinctively understand those four phases? And how, you know, how, what are those physiological effects on a woman um, from an individual perspective as well? And um, what has the general feedback been so far from from users in general? And, and, and I guess there might be some case studies and highlights that are, are out there. But, yeah, I'd be super interested to hear that. Yeah, it's been incredible. I'd definitely say I've chosen an area which is definitely challenging. You know, I often say <laughs> to the team, you know, we should have created some, you know, running trainers or something that surely would have been. <laughs> um, and women's health is, you know, it's a hugely complex area. But the hardest thing to a certain extent is that there's this whole, like, education piece on top of everything. So. Hmm. Yeah, we're going out to speak to women and generally majority of the women on the platform are hormonally aware. They're aware of, of their cycle. They've perhaps had, you know, severe 
cramps or headaches or hormonal kind of symptoms during their cycle and they're searching for something to help them and then the rest of the women that kind of use the the platform were having to firstly educate them on you know basics of four phases what does this Mm. mean when do they occur before we then layer on well this is what we can help you with so it's it's definitely been a really challenging area um, but we carried out a small research, research study um, last year um, on 25 participants. And what we did is we did saliva testing with them over a period of time. And it was incredible to see how the way they moved their body, where, when how they normally trained to then using cycle mapping and training in line with their, their period. Mm. Difference that uh, they reported physically, like that consistency to training, that motivation, but also just that ability to just feel really in tune with their body and 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 feel that they're working with themselves more than anything than against themselves. So yeah, we had some incredible feedback around that. And that's an area that we as a company want to kind of delve into a bit more, that whole research side of it, because I think it's mm. so powerful. And and then obviously as as Michelle says, it contributes to that gender data gap that is still very much there. Yeah. I um sorry, Michelle, I don't know if you want to jump in there. I think I'll go back to your point, actually, where you were sort of describing Poctark and you were sort of saying, you know, there's all these things which are measurable. So I suppose that I would just uh, take a step back. And if you're kind of looking at the whole pathway, and you can sort of call it female health, but I mean, it's kind of just healthcare in general, right? Considering there's like 4 billion women in the world. So when you're taking <laughs> the full, I, I, don't, I don't think it's just kind of, you know, it's not just about a test, right? So what we're actually looking at is um, we've got to paint the picture of the of of your own body, and and that's really how personalised future healthcare will be. That's the foundation of it all. So at the moment, I think what we're looking at are things like you know we split things into services and then software as a service, which is called SaaS. The future, I think we're talking here, uh, and I'm so glad by the way you didn't choose trainers because that would be quite boring, wouldn't it? What you're doing, is, <laughs> or you could have done like Wigo, like Wigo, just just get the clothing line out there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> But instead, but instead, rather than just like you're actually like taking healthcare to the next level and actually doing what I would classify as PAS, which is prevention as a service. Mm. And that is so key to kind of the future of healthcare because healthcare is super expensive these days. And it, and you know, and as you were saying, Jessica, it's around how do you educate people to look after themselves? So sure, we're getting all this sort of stuff about software as a service, but I think prevention as a service is the future and it's definitely uh, what's being built here. And what, um, sorry to jump in, what, like, what, what would these, the women that are using your platform who maybe have been suffering from hormone related um, symptoms, negative symptoms, I guess sometimes that might be impacting their health or their activity. What what were they previous? What kind of services did they previously have access to before using Genesis? Like, what's the baseline here that we're talking about? Like, what what happened? What do they have? How? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just stumbling over my words. I'll let you answer. No, I think that's the problem. Like, what what is what is the you know what is the baseline product? What is offered to women? Yeah, so many women that kind of 
because we're in this phase where we're helping women to understand that baseline. What are my hormones doing? If I can monitor it over a period of time and really understand my body in a really great way, then when I'm heading into these transitional phases of, you know, perimenopause, for example, and menopause, I know what's happening to my body. I know what's what's about to come. Whereas so many women at the moment, they, they're just not aware when they're entering these phases. And then there's that worry of, well, you know, is it cancer? You know, I'm I'm going to get seek help from my doctor because I'm not sure what's what's happening to my body. And I think, like Michelle says, if you have this preventative mindset of actually, do I understand understand myself? Am I tracking myself? Have I got some data to show how this has changed over a, a decent period of time? Then, when you enter those phases of change, then you're very much prepared and and aware of of where you are in your life. And I think that's so powerful. So is it a bit like are we sort of like at the base of the pyramid here, so to speak? So first step is trying to get people to understand what on earth is currently happening with their bodies and, and track and monitor it over a period of time. So you have a data set that's pretty good that we then you then can kind of build on with additional services to help make further improvements. But the kind of we just need to get the data in place because that that's a big enough challenge as it is versus the baseline of like nothing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, though, just to answer your original question of kind of what was out there before, I just answer it simply, there was nothing out there before, right? I mean, there was nothing. So all you would do is basically you could ask your friends, right? You could ask your friends, and it was usually quite a small circle of kind of family and friends that you can answer. And look, let's be honest, that's not just in the healthcare sector. This is the the beauty of the internet and the beauty of technology is around the fact that now you can collect you know you can kind of go and actually find out what other women have sort of found helpful and then you can actually put it all into one place Mm -hmm. so we've gone from nothing into kind of having a bit of a global as you wanted to sort of say the base of the pyramid but you need the base of the pyramid to be able to uh, then you know to improve and to understand and then go from there the the base is pretty i'm not i'm not an engineer but i believe the base is pretty important generally speaking (laughs) so that yeah that makes that makes total sense to me so um what are these sort of where can this sort of evolve into what other services right the reason i ask is we've had a few um guests on the show that have been in and around the perimenopause menopause space so one was the founder of something called ember labs which you may not have heard of because it's a u.s business spun out of mit and they've created that their whole area was around thermoregulation and changing the perceptions of of um, body temperature so it's very hard to change your actual body temperature but it's very easy to change your perception of body temperature because there's thermoreceptors on your wrist so they built something um, that would sit on your wrist and transmit at a certain frequency that could effectively lower your perception of your your body temperature by about five degrees inside of three minutes so real dramatic to target hot flashes hot flushes um, but weirdly, they also had started to use it. This is a side note, but for um, men undergoing prostate treatment, um, prostate cancer treatment, because their estrogen levels, I believe, are elevated. So they also get hot flushes. So anyway, that, that's just one area as well as there are lots of different. So how, how do you sort of see this evolving beyond? How do you go further down the pathway if that's what you want to do to try and move from, a, OK, cool, I understand my data. What's next? How do I improve? How do I what, what, like how does that pathway look? Yeah, I think we see ourselves as very much that baseline. So, you know, hormones underpin all those life stages that I've already spoken about in your life. And I think we're at the stage where we're just working on MVP for perimenopause because 
we feel it's a natural transition um, from understanding and having that data set to then moving into that next phase of your life and being prepared and knowing that these symptoms are the ones that are, you know, not the symptoms you've been experiencing for a number of years, how they've changed and have some, yeah, some power to take to, to GPs and speak confidently to them because there's still so much confusion around what happens at that stage in your life and what medication yeah. you go on and antidepressants yeah. and everything. No, exactly. That. So, so, so we had, a, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it might've been um, Lena Chan, a lady who founded Parlor Health, sold it to Holland and Barrett, but she was speaking about, or maybe it was Mardula Paul, the founder of Pepe. I can't remember anyway, or it might be both around the massive, um, the, the number of women in perimenopause misdiagnosed with antidepressants. Yeah. It's like a, it's that which which just struck. I mean, I'd never heard about it before, but it just struck me as a massive issue, like a complete yeah. misdiagnosis, and then being given some actually quite serious medication. Yeah, right? it, and it's huge, and it's something that you know, for me personally, it's something that shocks me, and something that I've only discovered in the past few years. And as women my age that aren't quite perimenopause, you know, we need to be aware of this and need to be prepared and understand that, you know, this is actually happening at this stage and to try and avoid it, you know, what do we need to do? What are the lifestyle interventions that we can change through understanding, you know, our hormones and symptoms beforehand before we get to that stage of, you know, going to a GP and and having to, you know, be prescribed medication like that when we don't actually yeah, playing like Russian roulette with antidepressants, which probably won't work because you're not actually depressed. Right? Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, and maybe if I could do a sporting analogy, which, to be honest, is not my fault. Come on, do the sporting analogy. I wrote that on my, on my script. I was like, I'll get Michelle to talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my please. sporting analogy would be in the fact Come that, look, if you're kind of like going to host the, I don't know, the Olympic Games, then what I think is great about uh, Jenna's is that, you know, it can also, you're you're kind of doing track and field, right? You're basically out there uh, doing, collecting and being able to monitor that individual. And we're all learning, going to learn from each other. What you don't need to do as a business sort of point of view is get distracted, you know, and like jump in the pool or something. You can stay <laughs> Uh, with what you're doing and actually let the person that's actually you know going to clinically diagnose i don't know it could be polycystic ovarian syndrome or it could be something yeah, else sure. but yeah. actually they might um you know what you want to sort of have is a is some sort of a basic kind of place where somebody will find it easy to use to be able to kind of track their progress as well so i don't think you all of a sudden you need to go out and sort of think oh i'm going to build everything all the yeah. way up to i don't know kind of acute hospital care what you want to do is be as a business you want to be collaborative and then kind of build the pathway and the chain and what i think is shocking is the fact we haven't had this base of the pyramid before and we no, might exactly. have had it, the, you know other things the, yeah i completely agree like i don't understand how you can get on to how you can be effective at delivering the other stuff without Correct. there being this like ground data set so that because I, I again I don't want to get myself in a pickle here but I, I would imagine that like a lot of the reason why you track or people would track the, the changes month to month and the things that are associated with it behavior feelings physical symptoms is is so that you then have the ability to then work out when stuff changes without having to effectively continuously monitor your hormone levels from a blood test or a saliva test or a urine test right because that's not necessarily particularly feasible but actually if you have this i don't know is that is that in the am i kind of in the ballpark there 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's again, it just being accessible, isn't it? And being able to, like you say, monitor and understand. And you'll draw so many patterns and conclusions from, you know, three months of monitoring, tra- monitoring right. and tracking, you know, your, like you say, negative symptoms, positive moods as well. It's not all let's look at all the negative. Yes. Yeah. That's how we feel on our good days and how that then translate translates into the way we move our body or, or what we eat. Because there's, you know, it's, it's this holistic approach. It's not one thing that you know drives everything it's all these interlaced um different variables do you feel like sometimes that like to to that exact point which i've never really considered before that there's a lot of i guess built-in negativity about tracking how bad things are versus how good things are yeah and i think we fell into the trap a little bit because at the beginning when we first launched we you know we listed all the negative symptoms that women and then we had a few of our our women and customers coming back saying but i really like to log some of my positive moods as well we were like (laughs) that's so true it doesn't all have to be about the negative side let's monitor when we feel good and when we feel like we can push ourselves a little bit harder and the impact that that has on everything else so i think that's a really valuable point yeah no um no, well, look, we're, we're about to, I've got to stop for the final commercial break and then we'll come back again for the last wrap up of the show. So um, we'll be back in two minutes with Dame Jessica, Ennis Hill and Dr. Michelle Tempest. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. A for horses, B for mutton, Seymour Cheeks. Dig for victory. UK Health Radio and Health Triangle Magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle Magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at ukhealthradio.com. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome to the final part of this week's Health Tech Hour with my guests, Dr. Michelle Tempest and Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill. Um, so, like, let's, I, what, one thing I do want to know is, <laughs> what do you think is harder, starting a health tech business in the hormone space or, you know, training for 50, 10, 12 years to win an Olympic gold medal? <laughs> um, that is a very good question. Um, and I, now I'm a retired athlete, I look back, at those years and I was like gosh it wasn't that hard you know you look back with rose tinted glasses <laughs> um but actually in the midst of it it was definitely hard so I don't know I feel that I feel this is a really challenging area that I've kind of tapped into but an area that I'm really enjoying and I think as an athlete I've really relished that kind of moving out of my comfort zone so although mm. it's very much still physiology you know understanding females 
female bodies from like a physical perspective the whole tech side and the hormone side is something that's new to me and I've I've really enjoyed kind of furthering my knowledge and speaking to experts and, and great people in this field to, to firstly understand why it's so underserved um, mm. and not being able to contribute in some way so I'd say they were both challenging but I would say winning that <laughs> Olympic gold medal in London was very very difficult for it all yeah. to <laughs> yeah but like is there an element where well I don't know like because when, when you're an athlete particularly in an individual sport and I, I'm I'm sort of extrapolating here because you know I wasn't an Olympic athlete um but th- presumably a lot of it was you doing stuff that you were doing right it was you it wasn't you you weren't doing in it wasn't a sport like a rugby game where there's all kind of moving bits around there's different people and you can kind of react to what other people are doing necessarily like how do, do you feel like in a company where you have different people doing different things and things might be going wrong and they might be completely out of your control did your did your athletic background help you with that or is that something new that you sort of had to confront and you were like oh that's something I wasn't quite familiar with yeah I think you're right I was definitely an individual athlete so you know the successes they were on me the failures they were on me and I quite enjoyed the element of control but then at the same time behind the scenes there was a a really big team that worked with me so I I had psychology and you know a biomechanist and a a physiologist and all those people and their strong personalities are really passionate about their fields and being able to understand how you get a team to work together for one person to succeed is kind of a massive part of of creating a successful athlete anyway so I feel that some of those kind of team aspects and the psychology behind that and what I learned as an athlete is something that I've been able to to bring into this this new world so I had my um my old uh sports psychologist come and do a session with the with the Janice team um just you know just to understand all our personalities and how we drive each other and how you know where our weakness are weakness weaknesses lie and you know where are our sweet points as well and how to get the best out of each other and I think that was a massive massive help with the team and creating the team right from the beginning that is super cool what a great opportunity were they slightly like intimidated or were they like okay with it <laughs> I think they were all intrigued they were all really intrigued um but it's just it's such a valuable exercise to do because you come away with this whole profile of you and when you're at your best and and how to work with individuals that are very different personality traits but you know if you come together and you use this um reference of um murmurations you know when all the birds kind of suit together and how yeah. you know you all work really well you can create something incredible as a team and i definitely experienced that within sport and i think that's something that I really want to create with with our team um, at Genesis as well. Well, what a great opportunity for them to be involved in something like that. Um, just to go back to something that you said before the break around it being an underserved area. Just before we finish the show, I want to kind of dig into that slightly because um, I had it on my pad, but I didn't. Uh, but it's a good good time to talk about it now. Why do you think it's been underserved? What are your theories as to why it's been underserved? Lack of technology, lack of funding, lack of willingness? I'm just curious. Yeah, I I think personally, I think the complexity, you know, it, it, it comes down to that. I think women's physiology is complex. Like there's no getting around that. It's so hard to pinpoint those right times to test, for example, to 
everyone's so different. We ex- some women sail through their menstrual cycle, have no symptoms. Other have others have debilitating symptoms where they have to take time off work. We all mm. experience these life stages very differently, and we're very complex to study. So I I think it's just been an area that's been so challenging, and yeah, has just been missed out because of the yeah the time the energy the resources and the funding it takes to really delve into understanding um female health is is just so complex and that's i think that's that's my belief anyway i'm not sure what michelle thinks yeah what do you think michelle from the kind of investor advisor consultant kind of perspective I completely agree that the issue is is that this has just been a highly it's been swept under the carpet right and it's no real different from sort of saying that mental health for many years was something people didn't want to talk about i mean yeah. often you know the word period wouldn't even be said on a show like this right so it hasn't no, been spoken that's about yeah and now is the time but i would sort of say like as an investor and as someone that's that works in consulting um that Jessica does bring something else because I do remember you on stage also sort of saying that you like to win. And I have to say that I am so happy that there is a woman that likes to win because we're going to need a winner in this world of of women's health. Yeah. And do you find, Michelle, um, there's, do do you, why, well, hold on. How am I going to ask this? What do you think is the current sort of state of play, so to speak, of really strong successful well really strong possibly likely to be or already successful female founders in this space like how do you read the the, the field of play so to speak well i think other women have to step up to the plate um and i like to kind of embody what i believe in so i completely believe that women have to come along at this sort of stage and actually evidence that you can win in this world Mm. and then i think others will follow and i suppose just to sort of flag that latest pitch book data would sort of say in terms of investment that in 2020 eight percent of uh, tech investment was in anything to do with femtech and in 2022 it was at least double digits right so we're up at 13 percent. so are we there yet no but we're trending in the right direction and actually i'm not too worried because i think that women's health is you know now it has kind of come out from underneath the carpet for want of a better word Mm. it it is something that we all need we all want and yeah and if we can get platforms such as Janice out there we will learn so much from it that it will be good for society and if you do something good for the world then hopefully the world will reward that yeah I mean I totally buy like there's just no there's no way you're going to get to an efficient way to through the pathway without having that really solid like block of data by purpose let's get you can have a crack at it right but you'll probably end up somewhere like it is now with kind of pcos diagnosis it's like eight appointments to get the diagnosis or at you know least. What I mean? like, i'm not i'm not saying it's exactly the same but it's sort of conceptually like it'll get a lot more efficient if you can look back over a really good solid set of self-entered or monitored data that that shows these patterns and trends i would suspect yeah because i think because yeah you're going there with all that information ready aren't you and you're not right you, you take i think in in the years that are coming we need to take more control of our healthcare as individuals and I think kind of gone are the days where we just had to you know rock up and see a GP and say 
I'm not too, feeling too great. I've had a headache. You need to have so much more power and, and control over the information that you have and and how, you know, health professionals access it. And I think with technology, we're able to do that now. And the whole, you know, citizen science piece behind what we can do with apps now and, and, and mainly female apps, you know, drawing all that data to really understand on a much larger scale, what happens to to women at different stages of their lives and, you know, through all these kind of hormonal changes is just, yeah, so empowering for like the next generation. I've got a young daughter and she's only five, but I really hope that she's, you know, moving into her teenage years, the conversation around periods and her cycle and everything like that is just like common you know she, she's yeah. so comfortable. and my son as well I hope he can talk about it really openly and that you know they have all this data and it's just completely normal to to track and to understand and to make these lifestyle interventions and take power of your yeah of your own health care so yeah fingers and, crossed, and, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> on, on that note and going back to you mentioned this earlier around GPs you just mentioned it again have you had any initial feedback from them about whether this type of data presented in the right way to them? Obviously, they'd have to see it in the right sort of format, not someone like waving the app under their face, probably in like a seven minute you know, appointment. But is this the type of thing that would help them? Have you had any interesting feedback from them? I'm just sort of curious. We, we've not had feedback yet. I think we're at the stage where we're trying to keep evolving the app so that we can hmm. present the data in a really digestible way that you know more women can take it to their GPs but I think if we're seeing now you know less and less time less and less appointments a lot yeah. of appointments on the phone and and kind of online stuff at the minute which makes it harder um I think being able to have that yeah control on that data to be able to present to to GPs you know if you're heading into perimenopause can only be uh, like an amazing powerful thing to have yeah because like if you could, i mean again i'm making this up completely so you know bear that in mind but like if you let's let's say there was a pathway which i don't know what the pathways are around around this type of thing in the nhs but if you could effectively upload a month's worth or two months worth of or three months worth of data that was neatly summarized up into the patient record that they then could review right and use that as the basis of it as opposed to a seven minute this is how I felt yesterday. This is kind of how I feel today. But last month, it was a bit like this. Like if you could actually have that that data in there, that would be kind of cool. You know, like, in you know, kind of in the US where they launched the Apple Watch ECG and it lets you send in the US anyway, you can send it to your cardiologist, that kind of thing. I mean, how yeah. incredible would that be? Uh, I'll let you speak, Michelle. But I, yeah, it's, that would be incredible. I think it's incredible. I also think it's needed because, I mean, you're talking about, you know, the pathways into care at the moment. I always describe it as a bit like Brownian motion. You know, you get bounced from one person to another person to another person. And each time you're having to repeat the same sort of story. And to be honest, you know, we all forget as well. You know, you go along and you sort of think, oh, gosh, when was my period? And, you know, what what did happen three months ago? Jessica thinks it was really easy to win the gold medal all of a sudden. It's like, what (laughs) happened with that? Whatever, rock up on the day, yeah. Have a bit of a stretch, throw some stuff around. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> longitudinal data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good. Well, look, on that note, it was lovely to have you both on. Thank you so much. Quickly before we go, Jessica, where do people go to find Janice? Where do they go if they want to yeah, find Janice her? is available in all app stores. So yeah, get yeah, sign up, have a little taste and see what you think. But yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy it. It's a great platform that we're very proud of. Perfect. 
Dr. Michelle Tempest, Dame Jessica Ennisfield, thank you very much for coming on the show. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back again next week. Um, keep an eye out for the show on Spotify, YouTube, etc. if you want to listen again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.